Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and this is the Downtown Riders Jam video podcast, which is part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Max the Dog and I are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker, and I'm very excited because uh, while I don't have this coffee mug during the interview, I do have it during the intro. If you watch Ted Lasso, this is my favorite new coffee cup. You're going to be seeing this on the show a lot, I'm sure. Super happy to have Robin Harding on the show today. Her book, The Perfect Family, is out right now. Uh, she's charming. She's the author of several books, uh, including the international bestseller, The Party, which was shortlisted for the Arthur Ellis Award for Best Canadian Crime Novel. Uh, so what you're finding out is she is part of this Canadian thriller group that I've been interviewing over the last two years uh, and the number one bestseller, The Swap. Uh, she has written films, right? Executive produced the, the independent film, The Step, uh, the, or The Steps, and it has premiered at several big film festivals. And her novel, The Perfect Family, which is the one out now, just came out last month. She's up in Vancouver with her family and uh, two cute dogs. So, you know, we had some conversation about dogs that you will not be hearing today. But if you're a dog person and a writer, and apparently from Canada, you're like one of my favorite guests to have on the show. So before we get to her, just a little bit of business stuff you already know is coming if you listen to the program. So the Jam Proper, our hour-long program, comes out every Wednesday. And these video podcasts come out about Monday and Friday. A couple things you can do to help us out. Tell one or two friends about us. As we grow, the biggest way to do that is for you to tell your friends, hey, check this thing out. The other thing you can do is leave us a review. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, it's great if you can leave it there. You can leave a written review and a star. You can go over to the Facebook page. There's a review section there. That's super helpful. Uh, or you can go to writersjam.com and leave us a testimonial through the contact page. At the site, you can check out these video podcasts that you're seeing. You can check out our book reviews. You can click on the bookshop link, buy books directly, sign up for our monthly newsletter, all of that kind of stuff. And you can support the entire Solid Listen network by clicking on the Patreon button. And for just a couple bucks a month, you get commercial-free episodes and all kinds of bonus content from everybody on the network. Uh, so this is a fun conversation. Um, thrillers have apparently become a genre of books that I did not know that I like to read, and I read them all the time now. So it is always lovely to talk to uh, writers that do that. I'm always, and I'm particularly interested in like how that happens over the course of a pandemic, because I frankly have just been paralyzed with writing. Like it's been so difficult. So to go into that kind of world, like I've also stopped watching any kind of like 
horror, sad, scary, jump out, any of that stuff. But apparently I can read those books. And apparently I love talking to those people. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy today's conversation. Um, Robin is fantastic. And it's always fun too. If you've listened to the show, I've talked to several folks that have toggled back and forth between film and novel writing. And that shit both impresses me and uh, is fascinating for the way in which each informs each other. And it sort of makes me wish that I would have gotten a film degree when I was an undergraduate, but that's for a different life in the multiverse. For now, uh, thank you for stopping by the bunker to spend some time with Max and I. Hope your day is going well uh, and that you're taking care of yourself and all of that kind of stuff. Um, get outside, walk, get vaccinated, stay hydrated, like all of those things. And before you do any of that, well, get vaccinated first and then sit back and enjoy my conversation with Robin Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a different, uh, different world because my book just came out last week and I've never been this busy during a launch because it's all online. I had like five things a day last week. It's exhausting, <laughs> but great. Great that you can do that much to get your book out in the world. Yeah. It's interesting to me to see like when all this goes away, I mean, knock wood, um, that the writing community has really come together in this like amazing way. And that you, I can now talk to people all over the world that I never would have before in, in a more traditional time. And I think it's really healthy for writers. I don't know if it's healthy for the business of writing, but it's been nice to connect to writers all over the place. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, I feel like that will stay. It's so it's so nice for writers. It's so affordable for, you know, like I've been going to festivals and speaking at libraries, but I, cause I'm not actually going anywhere. Um, you know, it makes it, makes it so much easier to connect with readers from anywhere. So yeah. it's been, uh, I think that's one of the positives if there can be a positive in this whole mess, but. I know I always couch it with like, this is terrible and there's nothing good about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested. Uh, I've interviewed several people that came to um, fiction writing through film. Which one did you do first? Were you were you doing novels before you so did I, film stuff? Yes. So I did novels. I did like humorous women's fiction. Chick Lit, it was called in the day back in the Bridget Jones's diary era. And confessions of a shopaholic all those were all the rage and I wrote um six kind of humorous novels one was a YA one was a comedic memoir about the environment um <laughs> and uh I published my first one in 2004 and then six books later probably seven eight years I guess and then I took a break went into screenwriting what a hard business. Oh my God. Um, so hard, you know, like I, I did get a film made, a Canadian indie film and it was a really cool experience and I learned a ton, but one of the things I learned was that I really love the world of novel writing and publishing and, you know, the autonomy of owning your own words. And um, so then I went back into writing um, in 2017 with my first um, domestic suspense, The Party, 
And I had never written anything that dark before. Even my film was sort of a dramedy. And so I decided to, that's what I was reading. I was reading all these thrillers and like really enjoying the dark side. And so I thought, I don't know, can I write it? It might be so depressing and creepy, but I just pushed through and I did it. And uh, now I'm like totally into it. I just just like the darker, the better. (laughs) You're a murder podcast person now. I am. I I know. It's like, can't get enough. What is wrong with me? Well, uh, the reason I ask is because as a writer, it's so interesting. Like I've talked to people that were feature film writers and they talked about the comfort of the structure, right? Like a film, you have this many minutes and things have to happen. And so when they transitioned into novel writing, they were like, oh, like I understand structure because I've been in this structure of film. And when you're a novelist, right? Like the first few you write, you're like, what's happening? Like you don't generally come with that knowledge of structure. Yeah. So my first six uh, books that I wrote that were humorous, I just winged it. I didn't know anything about structure. And they do say that story is kind of inherent in us. So it it worked. And I just was like, la, 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 and hitting the beats whenever they landed. And now after screenwriting, it's really helpful for thrillers because I do think structure and pacing is so important, right? Like you got to keep people on their toes and engaged and things. So I always do use screenplay structure now for my thrillers at least the big plot points and make sure that I'm hitting things at the right, yeah, at the right moment in the book. There's, there's actually, you've probably heard of Save the Cat. No. Have you heard of that book? No. Blake Snyder. So it's a, it's a screenwriting Bible that everybody uses and it lays out the structure of a screenplay. And someone has produced a book called Save the Cat Writes a Novel. And it basically just takes novel length, 80,000 words and puts it, you know, here's what should be happening. And it can be a little restrictive. Like I don't like to go beat by beat because then I feel like where's my creativity coming in. But those big plot points, I definitely, I definitely try to hit them on at the same time. So yeah. Yeah. And like any, I mean, artists will tell you constraints are where creativity comes from like at a certain point you do have to say well this is what's happening and then you can break it but you have to know what you're breaking particularly in these kinds of thriller like things where you are walking a reader through there is a built-in expectation that they have about what's going to happen exactly exactly and they don't they feel dissatisfied if you don't give them what they're expecting at the right time so yeah i i know at first i was like this structure is so constraining but it's like (laughs) that's our inherent knowledge of story right like people have been telling stories with that structure since like caveman days so that's what that's what we all want yeah satisfied and it's so strange just because you know i always say on the program like to be a doctor there's a path to be a lawyer, there's a path. It's not easy, but you know, do X, do Y, do Z, get board certified. And with writing, it's sort of like, you know, like, am I a writer? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, are you? I know. And every, I say, every, most careers have a trajectory like this. Yeah. And my career as a writer has been like this, like yeah, yeah. this, and then this. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. And I would not have, you know, kind of when I sold my first book to like, I'm from a small town in Canada. 
I live in the city now, but I grew up in this very small town and I sold my first two book deal to Random House wow. for good money. Like this was 2003. And I'm just like, I've made it. I am so great. I've made it. I'm like, <laughs> little did I know that I was going to go like from here to here to here to yeah. here. You know, I mean, it's just been, it's just been a long, long road, but I'm still really grateful that I have been able to do this for a living for 17 years or something. So, well, and it, you know, it's also, I think we're, you know, we're in the same neighborhood of age, like the trajectory of even the career, like, you know, in the seventies and eighties, you would have an agent and they like, you would be like, they would book companies didn't expect you to sell a million copies, your first book. Like they sort of built your career over time. And that is not right. the case these days. Well, no, but yeah, do you have your, your shot? I mean, I was been with Simon and Schuster for five books wow, and, that's great. um, yeah, I know. And uh, I know there's a, I know a few writers. Chevy Stevens is one. If you're going to talk to her, who has yeah. had like that dream career, in my opinion, where she's had the same editor, the same publisher the oh, whole wow. way through and they're just behind her. And, yeah. you know, not many people have that. Like I, I was on a library visit with Laura Dave yesterday and she just has the number one New York Times bestselling novel. Reese, Reese Witherspoon book club. And I said, congrats on all your huge success. And she was so like humble. And she goes, thank you. It's just weird. I've had so many books that went nowhere, yeah. like, just so many books. And then suddenly one book does this. And she was just really grounded about it. Yeah. You know? So I think if it happened to someone earlier in their career, it would be different. But for most of us, like whatever happens to us now is just like, awesome but we know yeah. <laughs> we've been through the ringer and it knows what will happen next right yeah. so well and you know the other thing i talk about on the show all the time is like i think it's impossible to be a writer if you're the coolest person in the room i think you have to feel <laughs> detached and sort of outside of things because so much of what writing is is looking at a question or an idea or whatever world that kicks off the thing you're outside trying to understand it and see it like you don't control it. You're not the center of it. You are literally unpacking it. And so I also feel like early success may change some of that, right? Like if you suddenly think like, oh, I'm a writer, that's the sort of the death knell of being a good writer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it comes from that insecurity and the imposter syndrome that we all have and, yeah. and the way we look at things but yeah. um and if you're going to spend 18 months to two years in an, in an idea or like when you write do you start with a question or a scenario or a character like what's the thing that like and i know it's probably different every book but like where do you where does that come from for you contained herein are the heresies of radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's, it's the same every book, and I always start with a premise. So kind of like a scenario, kind of a, 
you know, there'll be something I hear in the media or a story a friend will tell me or something I read about. And there's just those things in life where you go, oh my God, like, I need to know more about that. I want to like dig into that. I want to hear what really, you know, you'll see something on the news and you're like, yeah, but what, you know, what were they feeling and what was, you know, all the stuff that, and it's just like this little tingle I get that where if it's something that I want to know more about, I think hopefully readers would want to know more about. So then I just, you know, dive in and create a fictional background for, for these scenarios, right? Like, you know, I've done couple swapping gone wrong i've done a sugar daddy sugar baby that ends in murder you know (laughs) so i take scenarios and go how can they go so bad um yeah and it's it's a lot of fun it you know i always like i always you know i tell people like you don't come on this show and i don't ask you like what characters you or like what and none of that i'm like none of it none of it's any of us like writing i think comes from what you just said which is this is interesting i would like to spend time in there and like just see what this thing is and like so it's all from us and it's none of us but like there's no character that you there's no anything that you it really is just like our weird imagination right. like the fuck is this all about <laughs> you know like, yeah <laughs> people all always ask them that like are they are your characters yeah. real is one of them you and i'm yeah. like oh my god no so yeah, yeah i just like who do i want to drag this mess i've created and then i create the characters yeah. and um i always yeah i'd give them a backstory i always write a little profile which is another screenwriting tip right yeah. because in screenwriting you where you don't have access to their thoughts and their what's in their head it's all showing no telling so I always do that kind of profile and then I know them really well. And I know how they're going to react when they get into this kind of mess. Yeah, whatever and, you put uh, them through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As I drag them through and I know they're not going to make the right choices. <laughs> and I know why. Right? It's, you know, it's, this is fascinating. I was just interviewing somebody the other day and I, I told her when I, when I was in school, when they were teaching writing, you would do all that stuff as a fiction writer. I mean, I'm a nonfiction writer, but like I sat through the classes where like, you wrote scenarios of all your characters. Like, what were they like on their fifth birthday? Like, what was their worst moment? And before you ever wrote anything, you would write all of that stuff. And I was telling her, like, I don't know if writers do that today, but that's, I think, why you write your first book six times, because you have to know these people in the world before you understand what they're going to (laughs) do. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't uh, do the classes, but I, you know, read so many screenwriting books and books on story. And that's just super helpful. Like before I get going, I just, you know, picked all the characters and, and yeah, like maybe not their fifth grade birthday, but always like relationship with their parents, what do they want? What do they, you know, what do they wish happened in their life and who do they wish they were, you know, what do they need all that kind of stuff. So someone just told me. It was super fun. I did a um, Instagram thing and they said, give them a Zodiac sign and give them, they said, basically, you don't even need to write a character. Just give them the traits. Like, oh my God, she's such a Virgo. Like they had me go through my, <laughs> this book, Perfect Family and give everybody an astrological sign. And they were like, you nailed it. You nailed it. And I'm like, oh, Viv, such a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, he's sensitive. 
Well, you know, like I didn't, my, my training, I mean, I went to graduate school for journalism, but I don't have any like structural training. I didn't do an MFA or any of that stuff, but I, right. I grew up in an oral culture. Like I grew up in a very small Appalachian town when, you know, four or 5,000 people were literally, I learned to tell stories around a campfire, like listening to people. And I think that campfire storytelling is not that different from screenwriting. And it's like, you look at three minutes, if you haven't given people the inciting incident, they are done with your story, right? Like if there's not a, a car chase in the first minute, they don't care what else you're doing, right? So there becomes, yeah. this, you know, these demonstrative beats that have to happen and you can see when people are, when you're losing them. And so when I watch movies, a lot of times I'm like, oh yeah, I know what this, I didn't know the term inciting incident until I was in my thirties, but I knew what it was when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what they say, that it's so inherent in us. I think if you grow up with people that tell stories, you know, like, you, I don't know if everybody has that, but like, if you grow up and stories are part of your life, you do sort of, that becomes a, Right. A, a thing that's hard to describe when somebody's like, yeah, well, how do you yeah. tell a story? I'm like, how do you not? <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. And I was uh, I was one of those weird little kids who like narrated everything I did in my head. Oh, my God. I do that to this day. <laughs> Drives my girlfriend insane. She's like, you don't have to say everything you're doing. And I'm like, I kind of do. <laughs> I did it. I did it in my head, at least. So, so it's not to be so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, like Robin walked down the dark road. The trees were yeah. bristling in the wind, and all you know. And I would like do all these like, oh yeah. So I've always been doing it. So like since I was a little kid, and um, you know, then putting it out on paper felt pretty pretty natural. Yeah, I will just say uh, I've been doing this this version of the show for seven years, and I've been doing it since two thousand. Uh, we're wow. all like this. I've heard yeah. some version of that story from a lot of people. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. It's like, but you can't say that in the proper crowd because you don't want people to be like, dude, what weirdo? Like nothing. Yeah. There's Narcissist. no voices here. Narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> Narrating <laughs> your interesting life. It's weird, isn't it? Because to be a writer, you both have to be this sort of weird outsider who doesn't fit in, but also a narcissist enough to believe that like the thing that you have to say. So there's this weird self-hatred, but also self-love that's going on in our head at all times. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so uh, The Perfect Family is out. You said it just came out, right? Like it just came out last. Yeah, just uh, last last Tuesday. So it's just been out a week and a day. Oh, man. So is this the first one in the pandemic for you? Second. Uh, so I've had a book a year come out. So it was interesting. My novel, The Swap, the couple swap gone yeah. wrong, came out. Um, Did they ever go right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I, I actually know people in these kind of open relationships and stuff. And that's what made me think. They seem to be working for some people, yeah. but I was like, oh, I can make this go very wrong. It's very um, easy to see all the ways this is not going to go yeah, well. It goes <laughs> super, super wrong, like murderously wrong. But um, uh, so that one came out in last July. Oh, God, and so right were, smack in the middle of everything. Right, right. And kind of in the scary, I don't know yeah. what it was like where you were, but here, like we were still pretty like can we even walk by someone you know like it was right. really like you just really didn't know right yeah. like um so anyway and also uh things were not quite up and running like they are now like everyone was so comfortable 
is so comfortable online. And so like, they know how long everything is and they're getting it going. And so there, we were just kind of starting doing things. And I did all these Instagram lives and they were all an hour. And by the end of the hour, you're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's so draining. And now everybody's like, Instagram lives are half an hour, like one year later, everyone's like, this is how we do it. This is where, what the dates and everybody's so organized, but the yeah. first book in the pandemic was, was a bit of a different experience. Yeah. yeah. It's so, and it's, you know, it, I don't know if this is good for the business or not, right? Like, I kind of feel like it is because there's this escapism in this, like, I, I feel like people are reading more than they maybe normally do. Um, but also it's sort of weird, like, not to be able to go to the bookstore. Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, when you finish a book, it's obviously done a year before you do anything with it. But there's something mm -hmm. about being able to point to it in a bookstore when people are like, is it done? You're like, yes, there, go away. Like, right there. Like, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the right. project is like, it's a way for you to have closure to the external world. <laughs> right, right. It's like, I don't know if I ever saw the swap. Well, I mean, now it's still in, in bookstores, but I don't know if I even saw it because it didn't make it into bookstores here. Also, there was distribution issues like oh, yeah. crazy yeah. because of the border in Canada. Like yeah. all our books come from a warehouse in New Jersey Sorry and, about that. I apologize for America for our dumbass no, nature. <laughs> no, no. But the border, like yeah. you couldn't get books over the border. So yeah. um, I actually, it was really, really amazing. The swap debuted at number one in Canada because so many people pre-ordered it because I was oh. like, you know, we just spread the word and um, that's my, fantastic. It was fantastic. And um yeah, and it was all people making that effort to order it online because you couldn't go anywhere, right? Yeah. So, and it didn't even make it into bookstores in Canada until two weeks after pub date. So it was never, it kind of never got its feature on the shelf because you're on to the next thing by then, yeah. right? But so, so yeah, how, yeah, like what a surreal <laughs> experience to have the number one book, but also like, yeah, it's not in bookstores. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so weird. And it was only one week. But because it was not in bookstores. Yeah. Hey, it was so, we don't do math. One week, 10 weeks. It was still number one. I know. It was great. It was really, really great. And um, so after yeah. you go from wife swap get, or not wife swap, that's a TV show from this from the couple swap. Uh, give me the what's this? What's the short elevator pitch on the perfect family? OK, so the perfect family is spo spoiler. They're not perfect. Um, <laughs> you know, they have a. They have the, they have great jobs. Mom and dad have great jobs. They have a beautifully restored home. Their son is at a prestigious college. Daughter's doing well in high school. I and already hate them. Seemingly out of the blue, <laughs> they start to get attacked in the night by vandals. So there's like eggs thrown at their house and then their tires are slashed and it escalates and escalates and it gets very violent and very dangerous. And no one in the family will admit to any knowledge of why this could be happening. But each <laughs> member of the family has a really, really dark secret that could be causing these assaults. And that's what we were going to find out as we go. That's the what, and then you find out at the end who who it's a convoluted, twisty path. But well, I mean, uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah you would hope I hope so. I don't know at the end of the first chapter, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, it's him. Yeah. No, the secrets are all, and they're all kind of like manifestations of this um, 
you know, trying to be so perfect and putting yeah. all the pressure on yourself and everybody's cracking and they're not connecting and they're not talking and, and they're all so worried about their own reputation and yeah. their marriage and their parents getting mad that, yeah, it's one big it's, mess. One it's big mess. funny, like, you know, when I was younger and I would watch things like, you know, you watch movies where this would happen or like rom-coms where like, why won't he just tell her that he loves her? And like, a kid, you're like, this is stupid. And now I'm an adult and I'm like, oh shit, all that sounds like my family. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's true. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a thriller. That feels like, you like, know, suburban life. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Like, let's just like get so super angry and not say anything. Just mm. right. And act like nothing's wrong. Meanwhile, you're yeah. like the whole house is falling down and people are yeah. like, nope, it's good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to uh, talk with me. Um, I always love. Uh, the Canadian thriller writers, you guys are like, I feel like I need to get up there when all this is over and just have a big party where I can meet all of you at one time. Yes. How fun would that be? I know. Right. Like someday when there's no, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I think that'll happen day. again someday. Yes, it'll happen. It'll have, we'll get there. We'll get and, there. Uh, this is available like all over the place. Yeah. Right. Amazon, yeah, like yeah. bookshop, like all the places where people buy books. Should be everywhere, hopefully. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was very lovely to talk to you, and I hope we can do this again soon. Thanks so much, Brad. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. That was Robin Harding. Her book, The Perfect Family, is out right now. Hope you liked what you heard. If you did, a couple reminders. Do those two things that we ask you to do at the topic of this show. First, tell your friends about us. Most important thing you can do for us, help us spread the word, help us grow the program, and leave us a review, either through Apple Podcasts or at the Facebook page. While you're at that, don't forget to check out all of the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including the flagship Mother Mass Sleep with Podcast with host and our Solid Listen Podcast queen, Molly McLear. Don't forget these video podcasts come out about every Monday and Friday. You can always find them on the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. You can catch them at theridersjam.com or you can get the audio version wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking of, The Jam comes out every Wednesday. So get yourself subscribed right now and never miss anything that we do here in the bunker. And remember, you can always catch us and me on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.